The following pendant production contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to another Kingery Commentary. This is Perry Whittle. I'm the director of the Kingery, and you're listening to Season 2, Episode 12, also known as Episode 24. The title of this episode is An Eye for an Eye, and the writer is Jeffrey Bridges, who's with me today in the Director Minds interview room. Welcome, Jeffrey. Thanks, Perry. I, I like what you've done with the place. It's pretty nice down here. Isn't it nice? Yeah. It, as I as I talk about the director minds, sometimes I call them the ever-expanding director minds. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's better, you know, if you spread the suffering around. So I try to throw more people down here anytime I can. That's right. Good. So let's see. Right now we're listening to the previously for... Episode 2X12, or 24, um, and I wanted to say that the music is by David Alexander McDonald, and it's called Thunder Beach, parenthesis, Red Weapons, close parenthesis. I don't think I've, I've uh, recall hearing that one before. Is it like a new one that you used uh, for the first time in a Kingery show? It is likely one that I used for the first time but uh, it's not necessarily new. Uh, right, I just meant like new to a Kingery episode, yeah. Yeah, I try to find new stuff. Um, I don't always succeed, but I try to find stuff that I haven't used before, but I'm not exceptionally good at the whole record-keeping thing, so <laughs> I do what I can to, to make things, find things that are new and interesting. And, well, I mean... Pretty much everything that David does is pretty interesting. So, just I will agree with you there. New. Yeah, I really like it. Um, okay, so that was the previously. I wanted to say a little something about the trailers. Um, of course, the trailer for this episode is not in this episode. You would have heard it in TWIP, um, that is This Week in Pendant, a week before this episode first came out, or you might have heard it at the uh, end of the previous episode. And um, what I try to do is I try to keep out the swearing and yet Julie. give an idea of the content, that is, include dialogue that Julie. implies violence, thuggery, and <laughs> all the most tawdry <laughs> vices. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, because it's going out in uh, This Week in Pendant, I try to keep out the swearing and stuff like that, but I try and suggest that there might be stuff that you don't, you know, is not family-friendly. Uh, right. I think if anyone's listened to any Kingery episodes, they've probably come to realize that already. Yeah. And, yeah, but I don't want it to, like, uh, you know, uh, have people swearing, you know, have Tommy swearing at Blue Streak in, in this weekend. Right, right. No, I understand. Yeah. And I also try to suggest some of the major conflicts developing without giving too much away. Um Anytime a character says something like, listen to me, that's going to go in the trailer, um, simply because I'm trying to talk to the audience or a potential audience, right. them, you know, subliminal suggestions or maybe not so subliminal. And sometimes I try to provide a little misdirection. Like in the trailer for this episode, I had Tommy saying, you should have listened to me, kid, in a threatening way. Well, I mean, he says that in the episode, but I put that in the trailer because he often calls Tissy a kid. So you might get an idea from that that isn't quite what happens in the show, and I kind of like that idea. 
Um, Perry's trying to fool y'all. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to, you know, create <laughs> create excitement and mystery. Um, and in this trailer, I wanted a gunshot to suggest the violence of the episode. And I mixed it first with a whole lot of gunshots, but eventually I ended up taking them out one by one, and finally I just had one at the end. So, so there, I've talked about the trailer. And now Fix is dead. Oh, my gosh. Did I miss it? Miss it? Um, so, Fix, Mark Zarakor, thank you so much. A great, um, a marvelous uh, thug who we love to hate. Yes, he was oh. a fantastic fix. And I, I want to state, of course, that this had nothing to do with his character at all. I mean, the whole season was completely planned out before we even cast the role. So it was, you know, just the way the story was going to go. So, But, yes, Mark, you did a great job, and I was, I was sad to see Fix go. I mean, I didn't like him, but I liked you playing him. So, Yeah, very much. Same here. Um, and, man, what about that fight? Lots of great effort and grunt noises from... Uh, yes. Pete Miley yeah. as Tommy Arkell and Mark Zarekor as Fix. It was excellently mixed, too, I was going to say. It was oh. very, very nice to listen to. So you get a fine job. Yes. I had them throw one another from one side of the room to the other and back again. Yeah. Uh, and Heather Frizzell as Julie doing a great job. And so things are starting to get weird now. Yeah, this is where you learn uh, kind of a lot of what's been going on all season. Yeah. This little reveal here, yeah. Listen, we need to get you out of here. So right about here, when sure. things start getting really weird with uh, what Julie's saying to Tommy, uh, he's kind of surprised. The music is a song called Apprehension by David Alexander McDonald. And I was trying to find something that split the difference between, between being emotional and being creepy to keep the audience interested, because I thought that was kind of like... Where we'd been going was kind of emotional, and where we were heading to was kind of creepy, and yet emotional in a different way. Right. Well, I think this was something, too, that, uh, from my perspective in writing it, that I thought Tommy would have a really hard time processing or dealing with, because so much happened to Julie last season, and he's tried so hard to protect her and keep you know, all of this horrible stuff away from her, and then he finds out that she's been, you know, the one who's killing all of his other people, and it's, he's, there's so much conflict there, internal, that I, yeah, I just think it would really, really screw him up inside a bit. Yeah. So, how's Shimizu doing these days, huh? So Shimizu said animalistic, huh? What? Yeah. Back in episode, whatever it was. Season two episode. Uh, what would he been? might two? have. I don't remember now if he did or not. I'm maybe. We're so far ahead now because we're in the middle of working on the third episode of next season, so my head's all over the place. Yeah, it's really like time travel. And that's that's why you don't put any time travel in the Kingery, is because it would just. Uh, we're doing so much time traveling traveling with writing it and mixing it and reading the, the lines everybody is like in three no. different places at once exactly if if you're if you're only marginally involved you're in three different places at once and if you're deeply involved as the writers are and writers who are also actors or something else um 
then yeah, you're in many more than three different places at once, and it's just too confusing. At least every morning I wake up, I'm still in the same body. That's a comfort. <laughs> That's one thing you don't have to worry about. That's right. That you can't hurt me anymore. That fix was actually right. Safety's on, honey. Yeah, I figured that would also really bother Tommy. That fix for as much as he hated him was actually right about this, and yes. so he was. <laughs> that would just eat at him. Fucking kill you. Now, one of my favorite lines of the episode is coming up here. While Tommy is strangling Julie, he says, "I care about you." But I'm not going to. I really like that. Just thought that was uh, a little odd. Yeah, well, there's his conflict for you, you know, because he does care about her, but yet here she's been killing all of his people and trying to kill him, and so he's, yeah, he's torn, you know, he's, it, you know, it was kind of like that last season, too, if you think about it, because, like, with the whole mess with Tithia and Proc, he had to do something, but he really didn't want to, and so he gets pulled in different directions a lot. He's got a tough job. Yep, yep. Fucking disappear. Yeah, he seems to have to do stuff he doesn't want to do. Yeah. Although, yeah, there's some there's some sort of code that he's working by where it says he has to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. No one does. So now we're going to move the scene to the Saley Onksen Little body, uh, body Swap Shop. Yes. Actually, I think this is the first time we ever heard one of the transfers actually happening. I yeah. think... Uh, All right. I try, back when, um, when we killed Me off too. Aaron you, uh, and um, you know, right. Abner Cenares as... Uh, I can't remember his character's uh, name. Fred or something. Uh, steps out of a room in a new body, I sort of had a, a some machine-type sound going. I was trying to suggest that that might have been the body swap process, but who knows. Well, what did you use for the uh, the actual transfer stuff? Was that anything, anything in particular? It's something off of a sci-fi sound effect disc. Ah, okay. It was some kind of uh, sci-fi machine going, and then a, a powering down. So in this scene, we've got uh, M. Sierra Marcy. Oh, gosh, I can't arms. speak. M. Sierra Garcia <laughs> as Major. Um, doing a great job as Major, as always. Lexi Rawl as Devi. Andrew Eckhart as Roberts. And Catherine Pride as Tithia. Now, Tithia's already here. I, I don't know if you can hear it, but there's some quiet, quiet movement stuff way off on the right. And that's supposed to be Tithia. And so the first time you hear her is when Devi's talking. So so Tithia, like, sneaks around to hear her mom. And I want it to be really subtle, but I also worried about people who listen to the show in cars or, or where other stuff is going on. So I brought it up maybe a little bit louder than it could have been or should have been. or I, I don't know. If, anyway. But if you, I, think that's, I think that's a very nice touch. That's a very nice detail to throw in there. If you're listening to the thing and you hear something coming out of the right speaker or something and go, who the heck is over there? Well, you're going to get the answer to that in a little while. Um, and then Tommy comes in and Tithia hides. Oh, and this is, too, where uh, Tommy finally gets 
the uh, actual truth about what happened last season. So he's getting all kinds of That's answers right. today. Yes. Hell if I know. I think I can explain. Ooh. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, that was a nice now. string of sound effects. Nice and slow like. <laughs> yes. So I don't have to make Swiss cheese. Yes, I think Cat made a comment in her in her line reads like like what am I a klutz? I'm running into everything. So, yes, that's exactly right. Up and out of that mess with you. How'd you even get here? The streets are crawling with cops. It's like an army out there or something. I think they've got to And right about yeah, well, uh, now, uh, a new no song starts. Place, it's called right Atlantis now. Rising. David Alexander so, uh, McDonald again. Kid. Hey, boss. Mom. Uh, Mr. Roberts? I thought I was Betty. How much did you hear? And so and this scene... Uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> there's a little more comedy with... Uh, Robert's trying to figure out who he is, going, I thought I was Betty. Yeah. Well, yeah, Betty's pretty messed up. But, but yeah, this scene also, um, it hasn't quite gotten there yet, but this marks the first time that you actually hear Robert's back in his own body in, you know, two full years of shows. That's right. It's the first time it happens, so. Because the first time you, the audience meets Robert, he's already in the Rose body model back in the first episode, so. That's right. Yeah, it's the first time Andrew ever got to actually play that character that he plays. <laughs> so the stuff, okay, for the audience here, now the stuff that they're talking about all happened in season one, episodes one, two, and three. So if you haven't heard that, you can pause this commentary right now, go to listen to it, and every subsequent episode, and then come back, and we'll be right here. Right here. We won't have improved at all. <laughs> Two years of shows, we haven't moved. But yeah, that's I mean that's a long time ago, and you you can see I mean that was always part of the plan, you know, because everything that happens will still come back and affect things in the future. So yeah, and I th it's just interesting that that's so much different from radio because you can play it again and again, you can hear it. Did it work? Uh, Again and again, whereas on radio you're trying what? to make sure that everything is is um, you can hear everything absolutely right now. Right. Or kill? Son of a bitch! What the hell is going on here? And what's this? Planning to transfer into my body. Ah, there's Robert. Now it's interesting because to me, you know, Andrew here when he's playing Robert, he sounds a little bit more uh, a little more cocky, a little self-assured, a little more. Immediate medical attention. I don't know. He's a little more something than Betty was. You know, Betty was more laid back and confused, and he's certainly playing Robert's much more angry, and it sounds a bit like a different person to me. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. He's doing a great job. He's, he's got an edge. He's he's uh, very aggressive. He's like, oh, ho, I've figured this out. <laughs> um, of course, he hasn't quite, but, you know, he's given it a yeah. try. Oh, yes, and that was a lovely, lovely improv from uh, M. Sierra there, uh, the kissing her fist. You got it, boss. Yeah, you know, that wasn't something I ever intended, but I had written the um, episode earlier in the season where Major uh, pulls uh, Betty in Robert's body out of the bar and slaps him around a bunch, and I just thought, ah, wouldn't it be funny to, you know, um, reference back to that, so now she just slaps him all the time. No matter who's in his body, she's just... The entire kangaroo is Shepard's new place. All right, all right, all right, come yeah. down there. Jeez, I meant the church. Sorry, it's been a... Trying day. And somewhere there, I um, now, changed the music to a song called The Dream House, 
which I thought had a little bit um, was a little bit lighter and a little bit more friendly, but still kind of emotional for Devi and Tithia to to um, give background to yeah. their scene here, where they get a little bit emotional and try to patch things up and. Yeah, that's the first time, too, in uh, two seasons where you've seen Devi actually showing a lot of real remorse for what's happened and what she did. I mean, you, you saw a bit of that in the season finale last season when Prof died, but this is this is the closest she's taken to actually accepting that it's her fault and she's done things wrong and that she does want to change that. She doesn't like being, you know, angry at everybody all the time. That message you left so, for me. It's kind of a big step for her. Yeah, very big step. And I just love these performances. Mm-hmm. Great. You were standing right there listening to me lead the message. So, Jeffrey, what's yes, going to happen yeah. next season? Can you say anything to the <laughs> audience? Is there anything that you want to tell them? Or? But I was confused. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how much we can say. I mean, well, you've been... Now, you are on the writing staff for next season for the That's first right. time as well. So oh, you're as aware of just as, just as much as I am. So I don't know how much we can say without, without giving things away. Though There will be um, at least one new visitor, if I can say that much. Okay. Um, but, yeah, there will be a bunch of changes. Things are getting, you know, shaken up just like they did between season one and two. So, it's you know, nothing stays the same around here. It's always in flux. Yep. In flux. That's the headline. <laughs> I think that was one of the episode titles, too. Somehow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kingery Influx. That's the headline on the news. Ah, Jesus. He even put it right on Kingery Road, the bastard. What is all that? And now we've got uh, Pete Milan and M. Sierra Garcia as Tommy and Major. And I went with a trash can to alert Major to Julie's presence. And, um... Could have been more subtle, I suppose, but, well, there's a lot going on in the scene, so I thought, yeah, let's make it, let's make it clear. Yeah. What? She's a rat for Shimizu. Oh, fuck me. Isn't that right, Judas? Go to hell. You've been following me? So, uh, yeah, Tommy uh, let Julie off the hook when he, he uh, probably shouldn't have, but, you know, he still feels so guilty for what happened to her that did, and so then this happens again, and he does it again. So you can see, I mean, I was, the reason there, I mean, we had a discussion about this in the writer's chat, if it was too much that he let her go twice, and I really fought to try to leave it in there because I felt it really helped show his, his how conflicted he was about it, because... I mean, she's really trying to kill him, and she could have at any point, and, but he just can't bring himself to do it because he feels responsible for what happened to her. So I really felt he needed that extra time to, to really be pushed and still not give into it and still be like, no, you just need to get out of here because I don't want to kill you. You're going to have a war in your hands. Right. Stop me. And if you want a war, you just fucking wait. It's already on. In that sequence that just passed, he called. Um, Right. Julie Kid, which is show. right. I put that in the trailer. Right. We also called Tithia that sometimes to, to try to provide a little misdirection. Do what he says before I have to shoot you some more. Okay? I got enough shit to do today. And then you can also see here uh, Major's undying loyalty to Tommy, where she's you know couldn't believe that Julie would be the one doing this, and she flips 
in an instant when she figures out the truth and she's all, you know, you just got to get out of here or we will kill you. Right. So, yeah, I, I see Major, she's just got this really, really strong bond with Tommy and just, you know, would do anything Adam, for him. There's so yeah. many police out there. And he saith unto them. And these crowd Why scenes, did they uh, give you some trouble? I mean, there's a lot of crowd noise going oh. on there. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm so far behind. Um, still trying to catch up from all that. So we have uh, Jovian Lab as Adam Shepard and Jane Parrish as Regina. Doing a great job. And, oh my gosh, let me say the names. Okay, in the crowd we have... Catherine Pride, Jovian Lab. I tried to put Jovian kind of like quiet and off to the side. I mean, he was doing a great... Uh, his performances were very separated from Shepard, but I also tried to separate them uh, in the stereo field. Mm-hmm. So, John Howard, Jared Page, Marley Norton, Paul Lavelle, Kim Giannopoulos, Colin Snow, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard, Alicia Lane Matheson, Lexi Rawl. Thank you all. Marvelous performances. Well, I know that they, they were very rough on you to, to mix those crowd scenes, but they sounded brilliant, so kudos to you. Great. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it was fun once I got into it, but there was some trepidation getting into it. Understandably. No, no, keep telling them that. That'll work. Not now, Arkell. And I also had fun with Gray and her bullhorn. <laughs> oh, and I should say Alicia's name, Alicia Lane Matheson as Madeline Gray. Yes. And in the distant future, I just wanted to point out, they still haven't figured out how to eliminate feedback. It's a tough problem. That's what I'm getting from all this stuff. I also want to say, since uh, I said this before about um, Mark Zarekor and Fix, but again, uh, Jovian, I think you did a great job coming in and taking over as Shepard, and of course, Shepard's um, ultimate end in this episode had nothing to do with, with uh, the recasting or Jovian's performance or anything like that. That was also you know all planned out before the season began, and it was something we actually debated back and forth because we all really liked Shepard as a character, but... We figured out that that was kind of the end of his story. I mean, he fell, and he climbed back up and fell back down again, and there's only so much you can do from there. And it, it, just the way the story was going, it all culminated in that he had to, you know, he had to pay the price for everything he'd done. So, Right. And I wanted to point out that uh, Gray had this idea that Roberts was working with Tommy Arkell. Right. And, um, in that previous scene. And that was news to Tommy and Major. But it wouldn't have been if they'd listened to the show since about season one, episode 12. Yeah, Maybe it it wasn't until season two, episode one, but it was in there somewhere, uh, all because of events that took place in season one, episode 12. And if you need to review, just pause the commentary right now. Go and listen. We'll still be here when you get back. Perry is all about the back episodes today. That's right. But no, actually it was. It wasn't... um, the season finale of season one, because um, Betty in Roberts, after uh, she was in there and uh, had shot Jawbone, ran out of the room, and uh, Madeline had been watching them and, and saw Roberts running and assumed then that he must be working for Tommy because she heard the gunshots and then saw Roberts leaving. So. Yeah. Oh, and there's a, a very important point here I want to make, just real quick, is that just notice who fired the first shot, and it wasn't even Shepard or Tommy or Madeline, it was Regina. So, 
Yeah. Poor Regina. And then Tommy saves Madeline Gray's life. Maybe more than once. I thought that was a touching moment. You can see, Tommy's a decent guy. He may be a mobster, but he's a decent guy. Part of and his, I like you know, when, when Regina shoots, like there are a couple people who also join in shooting, but when, when Shepard starts shooting, that's everybody. You know, they bring out right. the machine guns, and everybody starts shooting. That was very nice. But, yeah, uh, Regina, of course, you know, she's had this sort of thing with uh, Robert's body, I guess, because it hasn't really mattered who's in it. She's always been kind of, you know, drawn to him, and then to see him, and she thought he was dead, and, yeah, so. Yeah. And I really like the way you wrote this scene where they're in the middle of the gunfight and they're having a heart-to-heart, Tommy and Maddie. And I like the there's a pause where Tommy stops, and in the performance, in Pete's performance, it was emotional, right? But when I put it mixed it into the gunfight, it sounds like he's ducking undercover for a moment and then trying to finish his sentence. Now, I really wanted to mention right here, when the uh, the mines go off, I was just blown away, uh, excuse the pun, by your mixing. It was just, it was brilliant. It was everything I exactly hoped it would be. So, thank you so much. It sounded just fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I just kept putting them in there. <laughs> That's a lot of explosives. Well, they're supposed to move down the street. And, it sounds uh, like it. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, because that's how I, I had uh, sort of envisioned it and hoped it came across in the script, is that once the yeah. first one goes off, it sets off the next one, which sets off the next one, and they just chain reaction down the street. So. Right, right. So, yeah, I had a... Um, there was a low, rumbling earthquake sound that was that was under all of that at one point. I'm, I think that may have come out, because um, it wasn't... It didn't seem to be adding anything, but at some point there's some kind of like a recording of like a gas station blowing up or something that, or, or, or some sort of gas explosion that comes in sort of underneath all the other little explosions to give some kind of low rumble. And right there, I tried to follow the bullet from the street yes. into the church. To yes, that is exactly what it sounded like when I listened to it. I was just like, that is so cool. <laughs> Good. I'm well glad done. You liked it. Oh, that was that great. Was, yes, and of course, that, that was Madeline. Um, she got the shot in that, that got Shepard. So. Oh, yeah, and I wanted to mention that, that uh, Madeline and Tommy and Major each have different guns. I don't know if you can tell, but um, and I hope it's not too important to be able to distinguish, but... Gray has the biggest, loudest gun. <laughs> that seems about right. Yeah. And Major has the same gun that she shot Julie with, and um, Tommy has a gun that's, uh, I think, lower in pitch, and, but not quite as big as Maddie's. <laughs> and so now in the background, we've got all those crowd members who were... Um, just chattering earlier on. Now they're crying and coughing and, and frightened and all kinds of stuff going on. And I think uh, Jane Parrish and Jovian Lab did a really marvelous job. Here. Yes, they did. I, I was really touched by uh, Jane as Regina and how, she, you know, attached to Shepherd she is. And even even this far along, she can't really come to terms with him. So, Yeah. 
And there he fell out the window. He fell out the window. And Major's not doing too good here. Major? He, yeah. Major and Tommy, both of them, they're, uh, they're a little worse for wear. Yep. Oh, I can't feel my leg. I, th I think... <laughs> and coming up, Julie, who is missing for so long, right, because she, she took a trip away from the kingery. Yep. She yep. gets the last line of the season. Yes, she does. Julie? Way to go. That preacher guy was crazy, but one thing he said made plenty of sense. Remember me and revenge me of my persecutors. A little bullet drop was another very nice touch. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, and then so we bring up the... Um, the wind sound, and there's nothing else happening. And I'm, then I call this my hellbound train transition because there's a Savoy Brown rock song called uh, Hellbound Train, which goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on for about 16 minutes or something and then just stops in the middle of a riff. So, wow. I'm sure there are other rock songs that do that, other songs of all sorts, but. Mark that's Derrick the first Vic. time that I'd heard Sierra it, and Garcia you know, back when I was a kid, and so that's what I pick up when I think of just Robert. stopping in the middle Catherine of the Bride wind blowing. Jane Parrish is Regina. So Jody I hear the theme music. That means it's time to go. I want to say kudos and thank you to everyone who contributed to this episode. Oh, and Jeffrey, I noticed that we had so many contributors to the crowd that you couldn't get them all in one breath. I tried like three or four times doing the credits. I'm like, I can't do it. It's just sounding too like I'm out of breath. So yeah, I had a pause in the middle. Very good. Any final thoughts? Hope you folks like the season, and uh, we'll see you next season. We've got a lot of good things in store, so stick around. Yep, that's season two of The Kingery, and uh, somebody's going to take a break right now, and then we'll be back in two months with the first season of, or the first episode of season three, and that will be great. See you then. Bye, everybody. <laughs>